Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, flying solo here today for this edition of the epic podcast. Byron Lambert has some family concerns he is dealing with. Um, not to be a huge bummer, but if you're the praying type or just the good vibes type or whatever, shoot some up for the Lambert family going through a little bit of trouble right now. Uh, everything should be fine, but they could certainly use it. So Byron, hopefully we'll be back on the podcast at some point next week. Our apologies for the delay getting one out this week. But here's the deal. Like, if we were to put one out on Wednesday or Thursday... And as you know, here at Roster Watch, we're so, so professional and prepared. I'm sitting here to do a solo podcast about free agency, and I don't even have a show sheet written down. <laughs> but if, if we had tried to be super prepared, and we're like, all right, we need to get something out. We need to get uh, you know a free agency podcast out on the first day of the new league year. Like There would be a bunch of stuff that we wouldn't be able to talk about, and it would be like outdated. By now, so I feel like today this is being recorded Friday at about 1 p.m. Central Time here in Austin, Texas, and I feel like we've finally gotten through the first wave. You know, the the guys who are still left out there in free agency are all second wave guys, and of course we're here talking about you know running backs, mainly running backs and wide receivers, but you know quarterbacks do fall into that equation because as we'll get to, the quarterback is attached to the pass catchers, and the quarterback can have a lot of say in determining what's going to happen with these guys. But as far as just the, I mean, as far as the running backs that are still out there, it's the LeGarrette Blunts of the world, the Frank Gores, the Danny Woodheads, the DeMarco Murrays, uh, Thomas Rawls. You know, he was visiting Kansas City at some point yesterday, which is concerning that they're bringing in, they're bringing in running backs to look at. You already worry enough about Kareem Hunt with Spencer Ware returning. You wonder, Andy Reid, are you gonna are you gonna swindle me in the new Patrick Mahomes offense? Are you gonna swindle me by using too much Spencer Ware? And then they bring in Thomas Rawls. So who who knows what's going on with that? But like these are second wave guys, is what I'm what I'm trying to say. The wide receivers that are still out there. I mean, Crabtree. By the time that this recording goes up, probably won't be out there anymore. Looks like, and boy, talk about what happened with them. And I saw Byron earlier <laughs> tweeting, uh, presumably, I guess, from um, trying to take a break from all the stuff he's dealing with, tweeted about just Ozzie Newsom and the way that he's handled this whole thing with the Ryan Grant deal. Like, Ozzie Newsom has always been such a dirtball to the media. And I loved it that we had a follower on Twitter say that 
You know, because the Ravens fans get all over you. You say, oh, he's such a dirtball, and he's declining as a GM, and he's he's becoming a dinosaur as an evaluator, and he's, a, he's doing a shitty job, and he clearly is. The, the Ravens are an absolute mess right now. And we know too many damn good Ravens fans out there that just deserve better. And there shouldn't be this period of malaise as Ozzie Newsom kind of gets his victory lap and, you know, hands over the reins. It shouldn't be like this. That, that, that team needs to get their shit together and, and start winning football games. But the Ravens fans all get all over you. They say, why would you ever call him a dirtball, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like some of these guys get back on there and say, well, he was the guy who knew about the Ray Rice tape. And was only going to give Ray Rice a two-game suspension before everybody else found out about the Ray Rice tape. And that's when he had to go nuclear on him. He, he was going to sweep it under the rug. I thought that was a very, uh, very intuitive thing to say. But th- this whole thing about Ryan Grant with that four years, $29 million deal, $14.5 million guaranteed. For one, what the fuck were they even thinking to begin with with this deal? I mean, what on God's green earth could they have been thinking about with this deal? To sign Ryan Gruden, as Scott McLuhan called him on Twitter, because he was such a teacher's pet. To sign Ryan Grant to a $29 million deal, I literally, you know, Wednesday was such a busy day, or maybe it was Tuesday, and I tweeted out from our Twitter account at Rosterwatch. I said, I just woke up from a nap because today's been so busy, and I had this the most crazy dream that the the, the Ravens <laughs> The Ravens. They, not only did they not only did they sign Ryan Grant of all people to a four year deal. It's a four year deal worth twenty nine million dollars with fourteen point five million guaranteed. <laughs> uh, how does that happen? And then the minute Michael Crabtree comes available, <laughs> Ryan Grant fails a physical, and. Michael Crabtree is now, as we speak, I believe, in, in Baltimore, in the building. They're probably not going to let him leave. And you just wonder, man, what the, what the hell? Ryan Grant, Ryan Gruden, he went directly down to, I believe, Rock Hill, South Carolina, where, wherever the hell it is in South Carolina that Dr. James Andrews, was it Dr. James Andrews or Dr. Robert Anderson? Whatever it is, one of them. And, and he's been completely cleared, and now he's, he's visiting the Colts. So this whole thing with the Ravens and Ryan Grant, dirtball thing, they went down. But to me, it's just, it just goes to show that some of these NFL GMs and some of these coaches and some of these league front office types, they get kind of old and bad at their jobs just like anybody else. And it's time for Ozzie Newsom to move on. Not a good look there for the Ravens. Let's, um, oh, it, you know, one other thing I want to get off, get off my chest before we get started with the free agency breakdown is this whole thing about Darius Geis and me seeing on Twitter certain people that I respect a ton. Like, like I like fantasy Twitter and I like draft Twitter because I get to engage with people with really smart minds who look at different stats than I might or interpret things differently than I might from the film. But look, this whole thing about college market share of targets and college market share of receptions for running backs, this thing that's sort of taken over now that everybody has Come to what I believe is a kind of a true realization that to have value in a running back in a league that is 
going the way of what Michael Lombardi calls a, a, a positionless type of sport. I think it's really important for these running backs to be able to be good pass catchers. But before you say they're not a good pass catcher, do your motherfucking homework. And don't just say that a guy like Darius Guys, just because he only caught 18 footballs last year at LSU, is not capable of being a three-down back at the NFL level just because your college production model puts him down there at the bottom as far as his percentile of total targets on, on that offense. It's stupid. It's cockamamie. And which is when you hear the same people talk about Sony Michelle and his availability to be a three-down back of the NFL, which I believe he certainly has it, but it makes the whole analysis fall empty because Sony Michelle caught half as many footballs last year at Georgia. So with Darius Geis, what people don't understand is this guy was an elite wide receiver slash running back slash athlete prospect out of high school. And I tweeted it out today. You can go follow, you can go follow us on Twitter at rosterwatch. And you can see the unbelievable catch that he made in the Army All-American game lined up out of the slot. And it wasn't the only one. The one I tweeted out was his 90-yard reception. There was also, you can go look at the highlights of his 68-yard reception in that same game that he caught and ran for a touchdown en route to winning Army All-American game honors as basically a wide receiver in an all-purpose backslash athlete. It is not his fault that he's been stuck behind a guy like Leonard Fournette and not been able to get really going for the first two years of his career and during the last year of his career. He's, it's, a, it's a puny squirt run offense. What are you going to do in that LSU offense as a, as a receiving weapon out of the backfield? He can't help it. So look, we believe in college production models. We have our college production scores up at rosterwatch.com for our pro members, but you cannot treat it as the end-all be-all. You have to rely some on tape. And do you know what? What the tape doesn't show you, that's where we, that's like, honestly, I shouldn't let it bother me because that's where we get our edge, right? We get our edge because Rosterwatch goes and scouts these guys live. We take a, we, we our members at rosterwatch.com are so awesome because they understand that the puny little monthly charge is less than a cheap cup of coffee to be a pro member at rosterwatch.com what that does is it sends me and byron and the trash man and guys like our guy mike band it sends us out to go see these players and to go talk to coaches about these players talk to scouts and evaluators about these players it's a big edge for us the pro day tour the training camp tour being able to kind of start reading the tea leaves about who these guys are and when you look deeper into darius guys just besides the production models just besides what he was able to do as a receiver in college as it was defined within the parameters of whatever offense that is. When you look beyond that, Darius Geis is going to be unbelievable. And our guy Josh Norris on Twitter uh, just earlier after I tweeted out the uh, the gif of Darius Geis is just unbelievable touchdown uh, in the Army All-American game where he just it was a it's just a post pattern out of the slot right up the middle of the football field he was wide open but the ball you know the ball wasn't put in the exact perfect place I mean he had to he had to adjust to that football he had to track it he had to extend to it and go up with big soft hands and pluck it Uh, it was it was a thing of beauty it looked like something you would see out of a All-American high schooler at the wide receiver position, which is technically sort of what he was. So no more. Zip it. I'm tired of it. This Darius guys can't be a three down back at the NFL level. Darius guys, if you listen to me right now, he exists in a area of the food chain where only 
only the Apex Predators currently exist. Only the Zeke Elliots. Only the Todd Gurleys. Only the Leonard Fournettes. Only the Saquon Barkleys. 1.02 in Dynasty is no consolation prize. It's an absolutely sick pick because you get Darius guys. And as I'm looking at the uh, MFL 10 and best ball cheat sheet right now, Darius Geis is having to make precipitous moves up, up the sheet as people are beginning to realize this. Josh Norris on Twitter, when, when, when he retweeted this earlier, he said that he knows for a fact that NFL teams are giving guys the ability to showcase his, his, his receiving at his private workouts. And it's been a major, major focus of this offseason process. Look, people are getting wise to this. Roster Watch Nation has been wise to it. I just wish my friends on Twitter would get wise to it. So I don't, I don't have to beat my head on the wall saying, God, guys. God! <laughs> okay. Let's get to the free agency stuff. Um, I don't know. What do y'all want to start with quarterbacks? Kirk Cousins, of, uh, you know, this golden son of Roster Watch Nation, three-year, $84 million to Minnesota. And what you hear is that, dude, he's a hero for this. We've always said he's presidential. We've always said that Kirk Cousins, I mean, Kirk Cousins, the story I always tell about him is from the Senior Bowl, wherever I had met, is my, I think that was my first or second Senior Bowl that Cousins was at. I think it was my second. That was Russell Wilson and Cousins and those guys. And I remember, like, now when I go to the Senior Bowl, we I don't do as much stuff with trying to go and interview every one of these guys and get it up for content for interviews on the site and stuff like that. Our our model as as a business has kind of changed to where that kind of content that kind of content doesn't move the needle for what our what our pro members want, they want tools and, you know, they want, um, they want the kind of info that comes from there, but they don't care about a long article written up about, you know, a couple quotes from a guy like Kirk Cousins. But I remember that was what I was doing then. That was kind of how we got into this. And I remember, you know, I don't even remember really telling him my name. You know, I guess at the beginning I had to walk up and say, hey, I'm Alex Dunlap with this fucking whatever, the, my blog, roster watch. Um, can I get you for a few questions? And of course, he was nice enough to do it. And then later that week, probably on Thursday, he was up at the podium. And I hadn't seen him again all week. This dude, all week, Kirk Cousins, he had been, um, you know, at the Senior Bowl, it's just like, it's a zoo, man. It's an expo. Like, you go from meeting, you know, media guys to meeting literally scouts from every single team because what these scouts do is they use the Senior Bowl to be able to you know get their work done on as many of these guys as they can because you only get 32 of these official, um, these these I think it's 32 of these official visits and meetings and stuff like that, and you need to figure out you know who you can knock out, who you can make sure that you got your 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 work done on, and so they want to get everybody that they can at the Senior Bowl, and so you got all those guys, you have all the all the media people you have all of your new teammates you're having to kind of gel with and create a bond with and i remember kirk cousins was at the podium and i just asked him a question or something about practice and he looked at me he goes you know what alex that's a great question and i was just shocked i said i cannot believe that this dude remembers my name you know out of everything that that guy needs to remember this week this biggest job interview of his life 
And he remembers the name of the dinky blogger. They asked him these fucking stupid questions for some dinky article on a website that nobody went to. And that's just who Kirk Cousins is, man. He's detail-oriented. And he said, you know what? I want this goddamn... I, I want this money to be guaranteed. And so everybody, you know, everybody now. I mean, Kirk Cousins... Kirk Cousins just did everybody a huge solid. He opened Pandora's box, a fully guaranteed contract in a monster. So what does this do for the Vikings? Well, I think it improves their quarterback situation, clearly. Now, is Kirk Cousins a huge upgrade over 2017 Case Keenum? No. 2017 Case Keenum was awesome. But you see, what, what the Vikings thought was that 2017 Case Keenum wasn't sustainable. And I don't think it was sustainable either. I think coming back for 2018, you know, you look at what Case Keenum got paid for for the, uh, what he got paid for the um, Denver Broncos, where it was a two-year deal for less than $20 million per year. I'd have to look and see what the exact numbers were. I think it was two years, 36. I'm not sure how much of that was uh, fully guaranteed. Certainly not a Cousins fully guaranteed deal. But when you look at that deal, you think, you know, maybe could the Vikings, I mean, Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins are the same age, or like what, Cousins is 29, Keenum's 30. But could they have gotten Keenum back on a two-year deal and hoped that the regression was only a little bit minimal, kept that extra money for some extra weapons to put around him? I don't know. I don't know if they thought that Keenum was going to be able to be had for that kind of deal. I mean, there's a big difference between a two-year $36 million and a three-year $84 million. But what I do think Kirk Cousins brings is, one, that great attention to detail that I talked about. The, he's uh, he's going to be in the, in, you know, not only in the, in the film room and in the locker room and at the facility, whenever you want, he's going to be a pillar in the community. He's going to be a guy who fans grow to love, <laughs> assuming he wins. If he doesn't win, no one's going to love him. But what I think he is, is he's a guy who it's less likely for Kirk Cousins to come in and be a lesser quarterback than Case Keenum would have been had the regression that it's reasonable to expect from 2017 to 2018 within that offense occurred. I think there was a little bit of lightning in a bottle with Case Keenum. So you, you like the move for the Vikings as a football team? I think for, uh, but for all those reasons that I'm saying, I don't really think it's that big an upgrade over 2017 Case Keenum. I don't see this as a huge upgrade for Adam Thielen. I don't see it as a huge upgrade for Stephon Diggs. And I think at this point in time, judging by his ADP and best ball leagues, what, what, what's his ADP right now? Let's just look and see. Um, quarterback 10. Quarterback 9, maybe. Maybe quarterback 9. <sighs> Maybe quarterback eight. People are going to have to decide if they want Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo. Once you get past the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, the Russell Wilson's, the Deshaun Watson's. I mean, uh, could there be a, I mean, then you say, well, does Kirk Cousins maybe belong in that Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, Drew Brees area? Jimmy Garoppolo probably does. So I think that you're going to be, I think if you could get Kirk Cousins in best ball league somewhere around quarterback 9 to 10, I think it's fine value. I think if you start creeping up and you're having to take him as quarterback 6, I think you're overpaying. 
Keenum, uh, like I said, this is going to be very interesting. And I think the important thing to think about with this is what it's going to mean with what the Broncos do with the, that, that pick at five. I think you still got to take a quarterback if you're John Elway. Look, John Elway has been when – what is somebody going to talk about the fact that John Elway has been pretty awful lately as a GM. Bad quarterback decision after bad quarterback decision since Peyton Manning. Vance Joseph look, looks like he sucks. Elway wanted to pay Brock Osweiler all this money and acted like a little titty baby whenever he took more money to go to Houston. And you just, you, you, you wonder, it, does John Elway think that maybe in case this whole Keenum deal goes south, I can maybe get out of this deal after a year and there's nothing that the fan base loves more, there's nothing that ownership buys into more, there's no narrative that I can promote really any more than the idea like, look, hey guys, hey, 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 don't, don't look at me, look, no, don't, don't, don't look at me, we have a rookie quarterback, we have a rookie quarterback, we, we gotta give him time to develop, this isn't fair, we bring Baker Mayfield in here, he said like, look at him, he's our, he's our, he's our baby quarterback, what are you doing, come on, take it easy on me. So I think that I think that, that you know here's the thing, if they do not go quarterback at five, they need to take Quentin Nelson, because if you don't go quarterback at five, what you're saying is the Case Keenum's our guy. We don't think he's going to regress. We're on the opposite side of the Spielman Zimmer idea tree here. We're on a big idea tree, and Spielman and Spielman and Zimmer are over hanging off the limbs on one side, and I'm over here on the other side as John Elway, and I'm on the you know complete opposite end. And I think the Case Keenum is going to be just fine in 2018, the same way he was in 2017. Has similar weapons if they keep Emmanuel Sanders, which is still, I guess, a little bit up in the air. We'll have to look and see, um, look and see when they when they need to either release him or trade him by before uh, triggering whatever comes up here in this last year of his contract. But definitely at least Demarius Thomas, you know, good, good, are they good runners? I don't know. Devontae Booker, D'Angelo Henderson, that's certainly no Dalvin Cook and Latavius, but, you know, do, do a thing or two there along the offensive line, just oh, mentally, yeah, it's probably not as good a situation. Drew Brees re-signed. I think that that was something that everybody, I mean, everybody saw coming. Uh, Josh McCown re-signed. Teddy Bridgewater, too. One-year prove-it deal. A $5 million deal. A little puny, puny one. A squirmy little puny one. A shrimpy one. So Josh McCown will be making $10 million for the Jets. Teddy Bridgewater will be making $5 million with the Jets. And just what's interesting is, see what you would hope from a fantasy standpoint for the Jets. Look, McCown was good last year. And if you could get another year of Josh McCown, another 2017 year of Josh McCown, just from a pure, pure fantasy perspective, that's good for your Robbie Andersons. That's good for your Quincy Anunwas. That's good for whoever, you know, breakout candidate to be for the Jets this year, and God damn it, Lord knows that at least one of those are Darius Stewart's or one of those Chad Hanses or dirt balls like this. They're due to break out. I love Chad Hansen from back in college, by the way. And so that's good, but then with Teddy Bridgewater, if this is a one-year prove-it deal, if he's not going to get in there, how's he going to prove it? So I'm definitely interested to see how things shake out between Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater there in training camp, and I'm hoping that Byron and I can get up to Jets training camp because we have an, 
a, a standing offer from a, um, I believe, a striper guide up there in the uh, Newark, New Jersey area, striper bass guide, who's offered to take us out on his on his boat for a um, for a charter trip. So while we're doing that, we'll probably get the intel on uh, McCown versus Bridgewater. <laughs> AJ McCarron, two years, ten million to Buffalo. You know he's getting paid like a backup. So it goes to show the the intelligence we got from talking to an NFC quarterbacks coach last or two weeks ago at the combine that he would take Nick Foles, uh, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday over AJ McCarron could uh, somewhat be coming home to roost. And I think the only one other than that that really makes any, you know has any fantasy relevance is Sam Bradford, the one year twenty million dollar deal to Arizona. Mike Glennon also signs in Arizona, and Sam Bradford is going to be, um, I hate to say it because I don't ever want to see anybody get hurt, but here's the thing. It's like, it's not like he's going to get hurt. The fact is he's already the walking wounded. He already is kind of hurt. He has a degenerative bone-on-bone issue in his knees, and that's just the way it is. It's bone-on-bone. It's degenerative. And so I think that Larry Fitzgerald is going to have a good couple weeks. I think that he's going to target the hell out of Fitzgerald. John Brown now going to go on to the Baltimore Ravens, as we'll get to whenever we go wide receivers. We've already gone too long on, on quarterbacks. But you like this for Larry Fitzgerald. And the good news is, is once Bradford does get hurt, because it's not a matter of, of if, it's, it's literally is a matter of when. And we're going to see him writhing on pain down on the ground. And we're going to say, $20 million bucks for this. How much, how much is he going to steal? Like, I've gotten in trouble for saying that before, this, you know, accusing somebody of, of saying they're stealing money from the franchise. But, I mean, here's the thing. Sam Bradford has willingly accepted the money that these franchises have offered him, and so none of this can be considered stealing. Clearly, it's just a figure of speech. But, golly, has anybody ever made more by doing less than Sam Bradford? The guy's like a... Like a um, He's he's like a like he's like the best con artist that ever lived or something like he like he doesn't even need to be any good at football he can be good for a couple games and then get hurt for a whole year and come back and convince everybody he's okay and get, just get paid again like he was getting paid when he came out of college when there wasn't even a rookie wage scale Sam Bradford has never had to just eat, eat dirt and take a crappy contract once in his life and he's never even been good. Under running backs. Deion Lewis, how could you do this? Mike Vrabel, how could you do this? We wanted the beast to feast. We wanted Derrick Henry to finally get it done. Now will it ever get done? Tennessee Titans sign. Deion Lewis, four-year, $19.8 million deal. Jesus Christ. Look, I, I had to bump Derrick Henry way down the rankings because of this. Now, I still don't believe... Look, and... I, I, I respect the hell out of Evan Silva. One of the people in this industry that I know does maniacal work, puts in maniacal effort. He's the kind of guy at Roster Watch that we like because we like guys who want to know everything and want to immerse themselves in this information and want to know everything. And I feel like Silva has that kind of commitment. But when he comes out on Twitter and says that he thinks that Derrick Henry is going to have to take a backseat to this pipsqueak Deion Lewis, 
It's another one of these things where I just want to bang my head against the wall and say, what am I, what am I missing? Because Derrick Henry's a beast. The fact of the matter is, though, even though he's never going to take a back seat to Dion, <laughs> back seat, a beast like Derrick Henry, take a back seat to Dion. <laughs> So even though he's not going to take a back seat to him, what this is going to be, it's going to be another split. It's going to be another nightmare split. Now, could Derrick Henry be the 60% guy in that split? I think so. But look, the new head coach is Mike Vrabel. And what is Mike Vrabel when it comes down to it? He is a patriot. <laughs> I mean, I know he's the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, but that is an organization right now that's doing a lot of things. It has a lot of personnel from the front office, the GM, the head coach, New England ties, they've been keeping an eye on things around there. They've been keeping tabs on things around there. And Deion Lewis has been sick. And they say, why keep DeMarco Murray for $7 million a year or six, whatever, six, five, whatever it was. It doesn't matter now. It's been voided. When we can maybe get a guy like Deion Lewis for, you know, four years on a $19.8 million deal. <laughs> I mean, like... To them, that's a no-brainer. Match up Deion Lewis with Derrick Henry because that's a that's a terrific backfield tandem. For fantasy, I, I'm not sure that I like Derrick Henry now at this point even as much as Jordan Howard. Jonathan Stewart now gone in Carolina. It's hard to like Derrick Henry more than Christian McCaffrey in PPR. I can't, I can't reasonably say I like Derrick Henry more than Devontae Freeman. I guess you could reasonably say that you might like Derrick Henry more than Mark Ingram because Mark Ingram, like Derrick Henry, is sort of the thunder in a thunder and lightning duo with another electric player in an offense with a good offensive line, one that looks poised to improve with better coaching, better position coaching, a quarterback seemingly on the rise. I don't know. It's just a lot different area than we were talking about before Deion Lewis got to Tennessee. Uh, you know, at that point in time, you had to really consider Derrick Henry right there with the Alvin Kamara's or the Kareem Hunts. Or even the Leonard Fournettes or the David Johnsons, you would like the, or the Saquon Barkleys, you would have to consider him up there in best ball leagues because what we saw at the end of last season was everything that we knew from all of our work on Derrick Henry. He's an absolute beast. He's an apex predator. And when the beast gets fed, the beast eats. And he eats, dude. I'm not sure he's going to be getting fed in the same way. I think I still like him more than Kenyon Drake right now, just because it feels like Kenyon Drake, they're going to have to bring somebody in to compliment him uh, based on everything that we know. But yeah, a little bit of a fall down the best ball cheat sheet for Derrick Henry. I still like him more than Deion Lewis, uh, even in a PPR. I respect what these guys like Silva are saying. I understand what a good inside runner Deion Lewis was. I just think that whenever you look at Deion Lewis, you know, you know that he's tw you know he's tw he's 27 years old, but he's a pretty old 27, having having had two major knee injuries. Maybe he's a guy who you don't want to beat down with a whole ton of volume and use a little bit more like the Ferrari that you take out on the weekends. So I don't think it's out of the question that Derrick Henry and his under and Derrick Henry's underrated receiving ability, by the way. 
I can't stand these idiots that say that Derrick Henry is incapable of catching a football because it's not true. It's uninformed and it's cockamamie. But Deion Lewis is better. And so now any hope of three-down work for Derrick Henry without an injury to Deion Lewis basically feels like it's down the drain. We can still hope for a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a two-down kind of workload with a 60% split of touches, but it's just, it's just nothing like it, it, it was. So in Dynasty Leagues, we go from riding high on the hog as far as Derrick Henry to being, um, you know, saying, well, this isn't worst-case scenario, but this, you know, definitely felt better about this a few days ago during the legal tampering period much more than we do once free agency officially started. Um, Carlos Hyde, uh, three-year, 15, was it 15 or $16 million to the Cleveland Browns? I can't say I really hate it. Um, I think that we're going to see nothing like his receiving workload that we saw last year in San Francisco when he was sort of forced uh, to to catch a bunch of footballs just by the, the dictation of the scheme, you know, with Duke Johnson there in Cleveland, that he's not going to catch those footballs. And do you know what? The other thing with Cleveland, with Jarvis Landry coming there, I hate it for Jarvis, and I, I also hate it for Duke. Because I feel like Tyrod Taylor... Oh, we didn't even talk about Tyrod in the quarterback section. Tyrod Taylor, of course, going to the Cleveland Browns. That wasn't a, that wasn't a uh, free agency thing. That was a trade. But with Tyrod Taylor being there, for one, he's not going to throw the football as much. He's going to pull it in and run it more. For two, when he does hit those low average depth of target throws, he's going to have a choice of you know Duke Johnson on an option route or Jarvis Landry on an option route. I just think that Jarvis Landry, who has been a guy that's been so dependent on volume through his – I don't think I know. Jarvis Landry, who has been a guy who's been so dependent on volume, is not going to be as effective in Cleveland when the volume's not there. He isn't. I don't think I know. But as far as Duke Johnson, as far as Carlos Hyde, I think it's fine. This is still a good offensive line. I know that they're losing Joe Thomas, but Joe Thomas was hurt for a good portion of last season. I don't know the exact number of games, but they still graded out via pro football focus as uh, one of the top units. And as far as our personnel grades at rosterwatch.com, we have exceedingly high grades on a bunch of those guys. So can't hate it for Carlos Hyde. Where he left, San Francisco, now this is the most interesting one. They signed Jarek McKinnon to a four-year, $30 million deal, and Kyle Shanahan says that he gets lost in Jarek McKinnon's tape. (laughs) That's what he said yesterday. He says, I can't, you know, I can't even start to say the number of ways that I envision getting this guy involved. And we all know that Jarek McKinnon, an absolute spark freak. I know Adam Levitan pointed out on Twitter that, the Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida backfield is one that makes uh, all of Spark Twitter fully, fully aroused. <laughs> it's definitely true. But look, Jarek McKinnon's, you know, he's only 25 years old. He says that he's always been pegged as a third down back at the NFL level, and that is set to change. And I think it's set to change, too. And so when you look at Jarek McKinnon, you start wondering, you know, he's going in the eighth, ninth round of best ball leagues right now. We need to be really, really looking at him in the fourth round. Him and Deion Lewis both. We need to be looking at both these guys in the fourth round, just getting way out ahead of these things. I think that after you get through the – I don't want to I don't want to put Jarek McKinnon above a Derrick Henry just yet, above a Jordan Howard or Kenyon Drake or Darius Geis just yet. Because Darius Geis, as we've said, the team that drafts him is going to be a connoisseur of the running back position. 
and they're going to put them to good use. But I think that uh, here's the thing. I don't think, again, I don't think I know Kyle Shanahan has become a bit of a connoisseur of the running back position and a bit of a running back whisperer. And the way that you hear him talk about the offensive line and the different schemes and the inside zone and the outside zone and the steps and what he looks for in a center, now that they have gone after Weston Richburg, a member of Roster Watch uh, All-Senior Bowl uh, roster member from his year at the Senior Bowl and a golden son of Roster Watch Nation, you can just tell that he knows what he needs to be doing with that offensive line to get these backs going. And he sees it in Jarek McKinnon, the way that he can get this deal going. And he's going to get volume. And so we're going to be way ahead of this thing. We're going to be looking at taking Jarek McKinnon around the same time in best ball leagues when our opponents are taking guys like Amari Cooper and Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Stephon Diggs and Juju. We're just we're gonna go get him until the price gets until the price gets too high. Rex Burkhead, he signed a new deal. I believe he has signed a two-year deal. Let's see, it's a two-year deal, three-year deal, ten million bucks with New England. Now we were getting a, a little bit of a cockamamie wild hair that maybe there could be sneaky value here in this 14th and 15th round best ball value in. Mike Gillisley, I still think there might be a little bit, but boy, Rex Burkhead sure is the one that's more intriguing. The guy's just good at football. Every time that he has been given ample opportunity, he has come through going back to that game in week 17 in Cincinnati of 2016. And when he was healthy last year with the Patriots, he was a guy that they loved in the red zone. They loved in the end zone as far as end zone targets. So he'll be the running back to own in New England. And that's always been a little bit of a nightmare. But, um, uh, you know, in PPR leagues, I think that Rex Burkhead is, is a fine buy. I'm probably interested in him. Sometime around the area that I start looking at guys like, you know, Chris Carson. Definitely Tevin Coleman and Marlon Mack and Tariq Cohen. Like, I think he probably belongs at the top of that heap, you know. So, and I'm actually making a change here on the best ball cheat sheet just live here on the pod. I think he belongs on the top of that heap. I think he belongs just under the Chris Thompsons and the Duke Johnsons of the world. If he can stay healthy, he's going to, like, especially for best ball, when you have to worry about which weeks you're going to start him and which weeks you're going to bench him, so you can be around for the explosions and not have to worry about your opportunity costs, you really like Rex Burkhead in that type of situation. Uh, some of these other guys, you know, like we, we mentioned the Jonathan Stewart deal earlier. It's a, I think it's stupid. Um, I don't know. I mean, Gettleman probably has a familiarity with him. He's still pretty good. I guess probably okay. Um, but that that's for the New York Giants. To me, what that does is it just spells curtains for any final hope of any Paul Perkins truthers. I'm sorry for any of you guys. You should have been off that bandwagon a long time ago the same way we are. Wide receivers, we talked about Jarvis Landry already. I do not like this for him. He's been dependent on volume. He's not going to get the same volume in Cleveland. No, thank you. Actually, I need to look at the best ball cheat sheet and make sure I'm not too high on him. Jarvis Landry, where are you? Oh, yeah, I, I need to move him down. I don't like Jarvis Landry as much as I like Cooper Cup. It's just the volume's not going to be there for him. I move Cooper Cup up. Who else? I mean, I think I'm going to want Larry Fitzgerald over Jarvis. I think I might want Demarius over Jarvis. 
now it becomes hard. Do I want Corey Davis or Will Fuller over Jarvis? Maybe it, maybe both those guys in best ball I could like more. I just Jarvis is not an explosive athlete. He's a damn good wide receiver, and he's a good signing for the Cleveland Browns. But this whole thing is not good for him for, for fantasy because Duke Johnson is going to be biting into a lot of those same kinds of targets. Who's caught the most balls ever for in a Tyrod Taylor offense? I heard, it, I heard somebody talking about this. On Twitter, I, I wish I wish I could remember, but I think I, I think it was Sammy Watkins in the twenty four the twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen season, whichever one he didn't get hurt, and I think it was sixty receptions. It's just not enough for Jarvis. He's a like he he has the puny average he has the puniest average depth of target of any wide receiver like ever. So I'm gonna move Jarvis Landry down below Demarius. I'm still I'm not gonna move him below. Corey Davis just yet because I think that where Corey Davis is, we can still get value. Um, Allen Robinson, three-year, $42 million deal with the Bears. Look, that's awesome. We, we said that the Jaguars were going to be letting go of Allen Robinson, took a bunch of shit for it on Twitter. But right from the very beginning, we said, look, the, the Bears are an excellent landing spot. And I think what this does, this also you know melds in with – um, some of the tight end news, Trey Burton signing his four-year, $32 million deal with Chicago, and then also with um, a guy who he probably would have considered to be a second-wave guy before this first wave of free agency really hit, Ta- Taylor Gabriel. Um, now Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, that, um, that new offensive staff there in Chicago showing that they want to get this thing reloaded with some weapons for, Matt, for Mitchell Trubisky. And I think that Allen Robinson's poised for a breakout, man. He says, look, I know I've only signed a three-year deal, but I want to retire a Chicago Bear. He has his quarterback there. They have a young, really good athletic tight end in Trey Burton. Did they overpay him? Probably. But considering that Jermaine Gresham is making $8 bucks per year, maybe they didn't. Who knows? How is Jermaine Gresham making $8 million a year and Austin Safarian Jenkins can only get $5 million per? It's crazy to me. I mean, and some of these other guys, some of these, some of, the, I mean, uh, yeah, ASJ got a five million per. I guess I mean Tyler Eifert. He has never been healthy for one day in his career, and he got he got eight million per. Jimmy Grant got ten million per. We'll get to those guys in one minute. Um. So yeah, love it for Allen Robinson, love it for Taylor Gabriel, love it for all these guys. Who I love it most for is Mitchell Trubisky. I love him in best ball leagues. I think he's going to be a quarterback one next year. We don't have him being drafted as such because he has an ADP somewhere closer to quarterback 16, but we have it pumped up. We have him juiced up here on the best ball cheat sheet. We love him as our quarterback two in best ball. Um, much like Patrick Mahomes, who picked up a weapon in Sammy Watkins, who's only 24 years old. He signed a three-year, $48 million monster with Kansas City. And everybody says that this deal sucks for Sammy Watkins because he comes in and he's going to play second fiddle to Tyreek Hill. And I say, who are you talking about here? We're talking about Sammy Watkins. The epic beast. Who's he going to play second fiddle to? Tyreek Hill? He's not. I have news for you. Sammy Watkins in an offense that's paying him $48 million is not going to pay sec- play second fiddle to any damn body. Now, is he going to be inconsistent? Yes. Is Patrick Mahomes going to be shitty some weeks and look like the biggest star ever other weeks? Probably. Is that Kansas City defense going to be pretty bad? Yeah. 
It's it's going to lead to shootouts, and who would you rather have in a shootout than the epic, the you know, the epic gunslinger Patrick Mahomes just tossing the football down the field? Sammy Watkins is going to get open, and he's going to get his. He's an incredible buy. He's an incredible buy-in best ball. I don't know what people are so worried about. I you know what I I'd be I'd be more worried if I were the Tyreek Hill dynasty owner, the prospective Tyreek Hill. Buy higher, whatever, high buyer, whatever. The guy who buys high on Tyreek Hill in best ball. I'd be a little bit more worried of what Sammy Watkins is, is going to be able to. Sammy Watkins could take the top off of a defense, man. I mean, Tyreek Hill's fast, but Sammy Watkins is no slouch. And Sammy Watkins is a better route runner. He's a better athlete. He's a better, a better overall athlete. He's a better pure receiver. He's a better natural catcher of the football. These are all guys that I've seen and scouted live. That's just true. Sammy Watkins is an absolute thoroughbred. He's ridiculous. He's sick. He's a beast. So I, I, I love it. If people are hating this about Sammy Watkins, I don't care. Marquise Lee, uh, he's the guy that stayed with the Jags. Look, I'm still on the D.D. Westbrook train, though. Especially in best ball, if we can get, you know, we're getting D.D. Westbrook right now. Whenever other, like, whenever other people are, you know, reach, I mean, going for guys like Jamison Crowder and Paul Richardson, who seem like they're just, you know, the Kelvin Benjamins of the world. When people are, ta- people are taking stabs on Calvin Ridley, who has a bottom nine percentile athletic score. From the combine, like we're taking D.D. Westbrook around that time because he was a Blitnikoff award-winning receiver. Allen Robinson's out of the picture, and he was looking like it was just about to just all right there on the precipice. D.D. Westbrook, twenty eighteen breakout incoming. I like him more than I like Marquise Leaf. Where we're gonna have to be taking him. I'd rather take D.D. I'd rather take D.D. Westbrook in the twelfth round of my drafts than take Marquise Lee in the eighth or ninth round of my drafts, where he's going to have to be taken. Paul Richardson to the Redskins. I I don't care. No interest. To me, this hurts me about Josh Doxson. And I got on Twitter and I said, you know, this is more body blows for Josh Doxson. Now the, the Redskins fans say, blah, 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 wait, they play different positions. Like blah blah. Why can't he, you know, you don't, you don't, I'm just like, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's, this isn't about that. This is about target share. Paul Richardson's a pretty, Paul Richardson's a pretty good wide receiver. He's going to command a little bit of a target share. You still have Jamison Crowder there. Who knows what's going to happen with Jordan Reed, but you you still have the tight ends there. And now you have Alex Smith and everybody talks about how his, whatever, one of the best deep passing percentages in the league or one of these advanced stats from last year. And I got news for you. That was one year. He's been the worst in very similar statistics for his entire career. So good luck buying high on Alex Smith and, could, and, and wanting the Washington Redskins to be some high-flying off passing attack that is going to be just some sort of aerial, you know, monster where Josh Doxson's going up for all the contested catches and Paul Richardson's streaking down the football field just wide open for these deep bombs like some version of Tyreek Hill for that it's just it isn't going to happen 
Jordy Nelson, as broken by James Jones, signed a two-year, $15 million deal with the Oakland Raiders. And no one better than James Jones to break that deal, <laughs> break, break that news. A guy who was in a very similar position at around age 32, where Jordy Nelson finds himself getting dealt off to the black hole to um, finish the rest of his career from the Green Bay Packers. Jordy Nelson... I think he's a fine replacement for Michael Crabtree. The fact of the matter is Michael Crabtree can't get open with separation anymore either. And it could be a problem with Jordy Nelson, but look, I think this is good for, for Amari Cooper because regardless of what you think about Jordy Nelson or regardless of what the advanced analytics say about Jordy Nelson, NFL coaches are old fucking dinosaurs and they're crabby old men and they're going to say, we, 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 we got to make sure we take care of Jordy over there on the other side. Yes, we got Jordy. That's Jordy fucking Nelson over there. We got to put safety over the top. And that's going to open things up for Amari Cooper. John Brown, one year, $5 million deal to Baltimore. I don't care. I still think he has sickle cell trade or whatever. I think it's always going to bother him and his hamstrings. Albert Wilson to the Miami Dolphins along with Danny Amendola. Now, what the fuck are you idiots doing down there in South Beach or wherever in, in the 305? You get rid of Jarvis in the slot. You can't pay Indomitian Sue, who I understand if you're trying to clear out the riffraff in your locker room. Get rid of Sue. Jesus, by God, by all means, get, get rid of that. Get rid of that deplorable dirtball, pouncy brother. If that's what you're trying to do, it's fine. I, I don't understand why you won't get rid of Jarvis in a situation like that. I don't ever, I've never heard of Jarvis being a bad locker room guy. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm off on that. But regardless, so you get rid of all these guys, and you bring in two slot-wide receivers that are pretty much redundant. And, I mean, I kind of like the Albert Wilson signing to take over the Jarvis role. I actually really liked it because Albert Wilson's been a golden son of Roster Watch Nation for quite some time. He's only 25 years old. But then you bring in Danny Amendola on a two-year deal himself. Danny Amendola doing the old West Welker tour through Miami and through New England and everything else. As a former Texas Tech Red Raider, Reed Jolo, another six degrees of Danny Amendola and Welker, joining another Texas Tech Red Raider in that receiving core, Jakeem Grant, who, by the way, has been swindled. Leontay Carew has been swindled. Look, the only one of these guys I won in best ball or in my early um, dynasty dealings or any early redraft stuff is going to be Kenny Stills because I can get him last. No, thank you on Devontae Parker. I'm done. I'm done. Look, I'm done chasing the dream. I got to give up on my dream. I had these hopes and I had these dreams and now I just didn't give them up. But I'm giving up on Devontae Parker, at least for now at his price. His price is going to continue to elevate. But the redundant assets, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, what the hell? As for the tight ends... Only a couple here. We already talked about Trey Bird, and I think it's fine. It could end up, I'm not sure. Austin Safarian Jenkins, $10 million uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's, I don't think it's enough money. He, I think he should have got more money because weren't the Jets offering him $4 million per on a two-year deal? And he said, and, and he he said that was unacceptable. So he went looking elsewhere. Now this is down in Jacksonville, Florida, where take it from me as somebody who's done work in both states. Weirdly enough, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not like I've been much of a, it's not like I've been a huge traveler in my life. But I I, I have gotten, um, I have I have received taxable income in both of those states. 
there is no state income tax in Florida and the state income tax in at least the state income tax in New York. I can't speak for New Jersey, but if it's anything like New York, it, it, it gets enough to make you want it, to it's literally talk about wanting to bang your head against the wall. When I want to bang my head against the wall saying that guys uh, don't respect Darius guys receiving ability. Imagine that times at least uh, two or three <laughs> when having to look at your tax bill in the state of New York, and I'm sure in the state of New Jersey. So it's probably you know all around probably a better deal. But here's the thing with that: you got you have to pay tax you have to pay taxes in the state that each of your game checks comes from. So it's not like he all of his uh, income will be derived tax free, but at least half of it will. Uh, Tyler Eifert re-signed his uh, $8 million, or he re-signed, what's this? So he re-signed, it's $8 million, is that one year or two years? $8 million for one year, Tyler Eifert. Look, man, I'm still going to buy on Tyler Eifert in best ball because I'm drafting two to four tight ends in these best ball leagues. If you use the best ball cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com, it tells you how many to take if you follow the three simple rules at the top. We're an expert quality. Best ball draft is guaranteed. Go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. And I look at Tyler Eifert and I think to myself, I'm still going to buy on him because I'm still like, you know, that dream, that, that, that dream that I held in my hands about Devontae Parker. And he's such a beast. And like Byron always talks about, you know, you draft these guys and you just kind of, it's kind of like buying a new car and just, you know, when you eventually get to let them out of the garage and you get to hear that puppy purr and just kind of crackle and pop that's how we wanted to see Devonte parker we never got to hear him purr we never got to feel him crackle we never got to feel him pop i have felt tyler eifert pop i felt him crackle and sizzle and spark and i want to feel it again Jimmy Graham is the headliner here, a uh, three-year, $30 million deal with Green Bay, and I think it's excellent. I've heard people on Twitter say that he's washed. He, look, he is 31 years old. I did pull it up on Pro Football Focus earlier. I'd like to actually bring it back up. Um, I was just wanting to look at the – because people say he, he, he doesn't do anything after catch anymore. And is that true? I never even looked to see if that's true. Well, let's do yards after catch. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very bad. Um this year at 3.7 yards after catch, that was 57 out of 72 qualifiers. So not very good at all. Who's at the top of this list of guys who played a good amount of snaps? Eric Tomlinson of the New York Jets. <laughs> who knows, man? Maybe that's why he uh, – maybe that's why they felt comfortable letting go of Austin Safarian Jenkins. Eric Tomlinson, that guy with all the, all the Viking hair coming out of the back of his helmet, maybe somebody to keep an eye on. Garrett Selleck of the 49ers, Richard Rodgers of Green Bay. So, obviously, Green Bay not looking too much at their uh, pro football focus yards after catch per reception metrics, going from one of the best in the league to one of the worst in the league in Jimmy Graham. But what do we know that Jimmy Graham did last year? Caught a shitload of touchdowns. Caught a bunch of balls in tight spaces, tight windows. He was Russell Wilson's guy down there. And Aaron Rodgers, as we all know, is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. He's going to look for Jimmy Graham in the end zone and in the red zone, and I'm bullish on the guy. I put Jimmy Graham in it. I, you, it's not crazy to put him in a tier just, just under Zach Ertz for, for best ball th this year. I feel like he has touchdowns. I think he has upside for 14 touchdowns 
As crazy as that sounds, that kind of thing can happen in an Aaron Rodgers offense whenever you're the primary weapon with no Jordy Nelson. And I don't care what people say about Geronimo Allison coming in. I know that Devontae Adams is still going to get his. But if you don't think Jimmy Graham, if he stays healthy, if you don't think he's going to be a big part of that offense down in the red zone, you're fooling yourself. You're batshit crazy. We've been over it. We've been over the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers. I've called you crazy. I've called you maniacal. I've called you cockamamie. I've told you I loved you. Because at rosterwatch.com, we love our pro community. It's our pro community who enables us to do all this work, to prepare all of this content and create these new tools who allow us to go on our travels and pick up all of this intelligence that is going to help you win a fantasy football championship. So this is episode 75 of the Roster Watch podcast for Byron Lambert, for the trash man, for the robot genius, and especially for all of you maniacal bastards out there in Roster Watch Nation. This has been the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. Please go rate, subscribe, share the podcast, tell a friend. We will see you next time.